Hey, welcome to the Husker CuzCast Sports Show, the official podcast of HuskerHype.com. Justin here, along with the cousins, Derek and Tyler. We also welcome back John Sweetland to help us recap National Signing Day. Welcome, John. Hey, guys, what's up? Hey, what's going on? All right, John. John, first question. How glad are you that recruiting is finally over? I don't know what that means, because 2019 recruiting started just as quick as 2018 ended. Um, I'm personally pretty glad I was up at about five o'clock this morning, went to bed at one o'clock in the morning. So I only got a few hours of sleep, uh, before we had to get some stuff out. So it's been a whirlwind of a day. You know, there's a lot of delays with uh, announcements and things like that. But in the end, uh, I think the Huskers had a, a pretty good finish to their 2018 class. So tell us about this, uh, this class. What are some of the uh, big marks that we struck today? So today specifically, there is a couple of really big wins. So the first is uh, probably going to be Maurice Washington, the uh, ESPN top 300 running back uh, out of Texas, formerly out of California. Huge win, set records in the Under Armour All-America game, um, had three touchdowns and I think 150 all-purpose yards. Um, He has the hips to play cornerback, um, but the desire to play running back. And there's a lot of great running backs that were always told, hey, you could be a good cornerback. So I think he's probably the, the gem of the class at this point. Nebraska only has a couple of running backs on the roster. You add in Greg Bell from the junior college ranks, and they, they've got about four or five guys. We don't know the status of Trey Bryant. He left uh, this season with bad knees is the, uh, the official uh, determination of what's going on. So we don't know what his status will be. And with uh, uh, Ozigbo and Wilbon, the only other two returning, Nebraska finally has a stable of five backs that can do some damage. He's equally powerful as he is fast. He can catch the ball. He can run with the ball. I think the only big question mark for Husker fans is can he pick up the offense and can he block on passing down? So he's probably my top win uh, for the class right now. I think the biggest, I don't want to call it a surprise uh, per se, um, was Caleb Tanner, uh, the outside linebacker defensive end. Um, A lot of fans had our our outside linebacking recruiting flipped around. Everyone thought Javante Jean-Baptiste, uh, out of New Jersey was going to be the guy today, and Tanner would be a you know a, a wonderful get, and it, and it went the other way. So uh, Caleb Tanner, he's explosive off the edge. He's got great length. He's got great speed. Has an awesome motor, uh, and I'm really excited about him uh, to see what he can do. Nebraska really struggled with the uh, the cat linebacker position last season as well. Uh, a lot of woes on on that side of the field. So hopefully a guy like Tanner can make a pretty big and early impact. Um, if you can see the playing time this fall, we'll see. There's a lot of good guys and young guys in the linebacking corps right now, Guy Thomas uh, and a few others. So um, I think another couple of notable recruits, I really like the, the high school wide receivers Nebraska picked up. Uh, Dominic Watt, uh, who signed early in December, and then Andre Hunt today. Um, Hunt's got tremendous speed. He's a polished uh, route runner. And contrary to popular beliefs, he's got pretty good hands too. Um, he just fell out of love with USC, and Nebraska was really there to reap the, the benefits of that. Tyler, would you consider this class a success? You know, I would. I mean, if you look at back at this, the last few years in Nebraska, I mean, this is the highest class we've had, according to 24-7, since 2013, um, where we also ranked 22nd. We finished fourth in the Big Ten, one spot behind Michigan, 
Um, you look at what Scott Frost and company did, you know, with them coming in and we were ranked roughly 73rd to 90th, depending on the site at the time. And they ended up putting a top 25 recruiting class together. Um, that's a huge get. And I, I've been critical at a couple guys that I feel were more of roster fills. Um, but as John pointed out, I mean, you look at the guys that we got today with Maurice Washington leading the charge and, you know, um, and uh, Caleb Ta- uh, Tanner, um, you know, th- those two guys are huge gets across the board. I mean, those are nationally regarded players. Um, it-, it was a huge success this year. Derek. Oh, go ahead, John. I was going to say one of the things, and I forgot to mention this before, I really love Cam Taylor out of Auburn to, or out of Alabama. Uh, Nebraska held off Auburn for his commitment. They kind of came in late, uh, but it was too little too late for them. I think he could be an explosive playmaker, probably the most underrated recruit in the class. Um, he's got the physical size and abilities to contribute right away. Loves to hit, loves to fly around the field. Um, and just to piggyback off what Tyler said, I think he's really underrated um, in terms of the class overall and kind of goes to that, well, we're top 25, but the pieces inside that class are pretty darn good. John, do you think we hit all of our recruiting needs this class, what they're trying to do? No, I really don't, um, but I, I want to let Derek talk because I love Derek's opinions on stuff. So, Derek, fire me some of your recruiting thoughts before we jump into hits and misses. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm going to make Tyler happier. Did anybody happen to look at what Iowa's uh, recruiting class? They no, but I looked zero at zero four thing. stars and two two stars. Terrible. I, I think that's a terrible recruiting class, ain't it? Yeah. Uh, yeah. I thought, Tyler, according to you, big power five schools don't have two stars. Not, not, not many, not many. But I was barely a power five school. I mean, they're, they're on the cusp of it. So, uh, you, you, know, you know, you talk about the success of our class. And I don't know if you want to call it success just because we've been ranked ahead of everybody in the Big Ten West for three going on four. This is our fourth year in a row of being ahead of everybody in the Big Ten West. And the number two class, or if you look at the number two Big Ten West team is Minnesota, who's ranked seventh in the Big Ten right now. I mean, the Big Ten West recruiting is just the bottom dwellers of the of the Big Ten. And for Nebraska to be number four and really only a recruit or two from jumping Michigan would make, I mean, that's a huge deal. I, I think, yeah, I think this is a very successful class. Just to piggyback on your thoughts on Iowa, I, you know, you look at Iowa's class, you jump in, you know, 24 seven sports and the, you know, there's what, I don't think any four stars, but I want to call a couple guys out. Um, there's John Wagoner um, from Des Moines, Nebraska, really liked him, uh, you know, before the coaching staff transition. He's a heck of a kind of defensive end linebacker hybrid. Um, Dallas Credith out of uh, Missouri. He's a heck of a safety. I really liked him. I, I wish the new staff would have pursued him a little harder. Uh, I think he's a little underrated and a very saturated and very talented um, kind of St. Louis area. And then I love this quarterback, and he's a pro style, so he doesn't fit the Nebraska's offense, so I'm happy he found a home. But I think he could wreak some havoc on teams as he matures, and that's Spencer Petrus uh, out of California. One of my top pro style quarterbacks of last class who was underrated. So I'd love to rag on Iowa, and I'd love to keep you know saying how Nebraska's better. 
they do a heck of a job developing their mid-level talent and mid-level stars. And these, you know, these three guys are really a couple of big wins for them in this class. I feel like. Well, I'm going to stop talking good things about Iowa right here and there. I mean, that's not what we're about here, John. We're about shitting on <laughs> Iowa any chance we get. But well, if we if we can beat Iowa, I'll you know I'll start crapping on Iowa. But well, until that happens, well, you know what, the, a new day has arisen, and the day is Scott Frost, and. You know what? What I, I, you know, you mentioned Caleb Tanner, and I, I really, I, I think that guy is going to be a huge get. You know, one of the things that stood out to me and kind of watching some film is he played in, he played up a lot more than a lot of high school defensive ends, and that's going to translate so well to that outside linebacker role. But another name is a guy that was recruited under Mike Riley is Tate Wildman, and and I, I've been following him pretty closely because. As some of the people, regular listeners know, I live in Colorado. I'm very close to Parker, uh, where he lives. Um, I, I, I'm very familiar with what he does. I mean, the kid has a great reputation in the community as being a good kid. Um, he's probably going to translate more to a defensive end in this 3-4. He's 6-6. He's got a little bit bigger frame. In high school, he, he, he played a little bit more in that down formation as a more of a traditional defensive end. But the kid is legit. He's got a great motor. Um, you know, of all the kids in this class, I, I, I think he is one of the best gets. And he, people don't talk about him the way they should because he's almost old news in Nebraska. And that's a shame because he has done everything right in the Colorado community. Um, he, he's going to be what we want from a Husker. True and true. Nice. All right. Needs. Recruiting needs. Did we meet all of them? John, you started this. Uh, well, you started it. I'm just, I made Derek speak his mind. So, <laughs> um, you know, I, I have mixed emotions about this. You know, sometimes in recruiting, you, you need to take what you can get. Other times you need to pass on a player and, uh, and, you know, use that scholarship either at the JUCO level next cycle or in the high school level, depending on where your depth is at. Um, I really like the, uh, the, the gets and Willie Canty at offensive tackle. Um, I think he's a good athletic kid out of Florida. He plays really, really well for his size. Uh, he's got a pretty big wingspan. He's 6'6", 290 pounds. Um, and then on top of that, it, you know, looking at the offensive line, I thought we could have taken a guard or even another tackle that could move into guard. Um, Jalen Robinson out of Kansas was that guy. He didn't sign today. So I don't know if the Huskers are kind of evaluating if they want to use that scholarship on him or not. Uh, but he'd be an interesting candidate. Plays really hard. I know it's lower-level competition down in Lawrence, Kansas. Um, but he plays hard. He pancakes kids. He's constantly getting to the next level. Um, and his tape was good enough for us to offer him a late scholarship. So I'm really intrigued by, by him if they go after him. Uh, I think it, it would shore up the offensive line concerns I have. Then on the other side of the ball, I think uh, cornerback is the big miss today. Um, but I'll get into that in a second once uh, Tyler chimes in. in. In the words of the great artist Meatloaf, you took the words right out of my mouth. That that cornerback is concerning to me. Um, you know, Braxton Clark is the only true corner that we got out of this class. Um, he's an athletic kid. Um, you know, I think we got some good physicality. I, I'm concerned about our depth at corner. I mean, you look back at last year. Um, Elijah blades not end up coming to Nebraska definitely hurt us. Um, you know, we, we went big on trying to bring in a Darnay Holmes. We didn't get him. 
Um, a couple other players, Avery Roberts, uh, Avery Anderson, um, good high school prospect, but hasn't really developed. Maybe this new staff gets him. I'm, I'm a little bit concerned about our cornerback depth as we move forward. I would have liked to have seen a bigger get there, but um, at the end of the day, I, you know, I think this class as a whole, you know, it, it's it's hard when you look at safeties out of high school how they're going to translate going forward. So, um, yeah, it, it, I think DBs, as you were pointing out, John, is a huge concern going forward. So. Yeah, I, I think you chimed in on it well, too, with Braxton Clark. Um, I think he's got tremendous potential. Um, I just think he's going to take a few years to kind of polish those skills. Excellent frame, excellent speed, hips, length, the whole nine yards. Um, just needs some time to mature. He really came on late in his senior year as well, if you go back and watch the tape. Not overly impressive the first few months, the last couple of months. Much more confident, uh, much, much more swagger, kind of knew what he was doing. I felt like he really came into the role later in the year. And Nebraska needed to take, you know, I thought two or three cornerbacks this class. Um, I know there's other guys out there like Cam Taylor, who's uh, tabbed to be a safety that could really play, you know, outside linebacker, nickel corner, safety, et cetera. So that might be something they're pursuing and looking at there. But I really thought um, getting, you know, Tyon Palmer or Ken Montgomery Jr., um, I know they're four stars, so there's ranking there just on its own. But I thought they had the size, length, and speed to play in the Big Ten. Um, and I was a little mystified to, to see us missing on those guys and only signed one, especially after we canceled a visit um, with a, a, with a lower, a lower ranked cornerback over the last kind of week and a half. So uh, I was really concerned about wide receiver, offensive tackle. Um, those are my other two positions. I thought they did a fair job at that. They didn't spend more scholarships than they had. Um, they missed out on Otito Ogbana as well at the defensive tackle position. A lot of people think that's a loss, you know, Nebraska signed two big nose tackles last year in DeAndre Thomas and Damian Daniels. Damian Daniels tore it up in practice at the end of the year, um, but he redshirted. So I really feel like defensive tackle was a place where Nebraska could afford a miss this year and not sign anyone. They really need to find those edge rushers, which they found in Caleb Tanner and uh, Tate Wilderman as well. So um, I'm pretty happy. Like I said, cornerback would be my one big missing key at this point. So hopefully they can find someone in the next either Juco or or a supremely talented cornerback. And that kind of feeds into the, the prior staff, too. Prior staff, great cornerbacks lined up. You had uh, Mario Goodrich, who committed to Clemson. Vernon Radley-Hiles, who committed to uh, to Oklahoma. Oklahoma. Uh, Chase Chase Williams, I forget where, where he signed it. I think it was USC, but I'm not sure, or, or UCLA. All three supremely talented cornerbacks, which addressed a big need defensively for Nebraska. Um, but they were falling short, at least from a commitment standpoint, with wide receivers. I know they had a lot of coals or irons in the fire, so to speak, but really no commits at that point. Um, so it's kind of a, a role reversal. The last staff missed out on the offensive line, didn't have any tackles lined up going into you know the the, the month of December, and, and Frost and his staff have really turned that around. So I'm supremely happy. A lot of guys on there that are talented can play a variety of positions. We'll see what happens. Derek. Uh, Scott Frost got a late start in the recruiting cycle. Uh, did this class exceed your expectations? Absolutely. You, you realize that Nebraska lost – how many four-stars did we end up losing when this, before or after this uh, staff got hired? I believe there were six four-stars <laughs> that we had lost. Yeah, I think so. And, and for them to turn it back around and get back into a top 25 class, I, I think that was pretty phenomenal, really. 
you know, you talked about Braxton Clark and taking a little time for him to develop. You know, Husker Hype's own uh, Carter Donahue had asked a question about what, what, but what, who out of this class, who do you think will be could be a star next year, or has the best chance of stepping up? And I, I think Frost probably answered the question already in his in his press conference when he talked about Caleb Tanner so many different times. He talked about him playing multiple positions on the defense. Would John? Would you have a better answer for that? Yeah, I, I kind of agree with Frost. I think Caleb Tanner is a difference maker. Um, Nebraska, you look at the defensive end positions and outside the Davis twins, not to disrespect anybody, but there's not a lot of uh, pressure defensive ends that Nebraska have. I don't know if that's due to the scheme. You know, last year the, the line really kind of stood up and controlled the offensive line without applying pressure. Um, when they did, it, it worked fairly well, but I don't know if that was, you know, limitations for scheme or what, but I think Tanner is one of those guys, his high school coach commented today uh, that one of the reasons he chose Nebraska is he wants to play outside linebacker. He wants to stand up. He wants to be able to, you know, roll down in a 3-4 position, rush the passer, you know, get in someone's face, but also be able to flash his athleticism. I think he'll do a good job of that, especially opposite of, uh, of Luke Gifford on the other side if he plays this year. Um, you know, Ben Steely as well is a great outside linebacker for the Huskers. Really came on at different points in his his uh, his first season on seeing the field. Um, and then you've got Will Honus. Um, he signed early in December, so we haven't really talked about him. He's a terrific inside linebacker. Um, you know, playing next to Avery and a few other guys for Nebraska. So I think the linebacking corps is really well suited to explode. Um, but adding a guy like Tanner on, at the cat linebacker position who can you know, play play in coverage, support the run and rush the passer as well, uh, could probably make the biggest impact. Um, I thought it was a successful class. I mean, Frost is only around for, geez, what, two months, basically. You know, we started December through the, through the start of February. So to put this class together, to find these guys, to go out and get the commitments from them, I think it's impressive. I think, you know, it's great to look at that as well. I know a lot of people talk about Nebraska going from 90th to – you know, the, the 20s for recruiting rankings. But that's, a lot of that is derived from the algorithms recruiting services use to judge a class. And just when you lose bodies, you lose points. And that drops you, you know, down to where 90, the 90 ranking came from for Nebraska. Joshua Moore, Brendan Radley-Hiles, all those guys we just talked about leaving. Um, just taking bodies out of the class dropped them and then adding bodies back brought them up. Um I really like Adrian Martinez as well. I think he could be the difference maker for Frost, not necessarily this year, um, but maybe you know in the next two, three years down the road. So we'll see how that goes. John, do not talk recruiting rankings around Scott Frost because he's not here to win February. Remember that. Good, because they don't play football in February. Exactly. Tatter. You, you know, Adrian Martinez, I, I love him. Um, you know, I, I will be really interested to see what happens over the, you know, when we get into the summer, um, going into fall, I, I'm not ruling out the possibility that this guy contends, but the guy that I think next year, you're going to see the make the biggest difference maker is Jaron Woodyard. Um, that the dude is so fast. I mean, the, there are guys that you hear are fast, but you watch their tape and they're not doing that. The guy Woodyard flies off the screen and we are in desperate need of wide receiver depth. Um, it, it is, it is something that we have to have next year. You know, you're looking at really three guys 
next year coming back with significant playing time with Spielman, Lindsay, and uh, Morgan. Uh, Woodyard is going to come in there. I think you look at what he will contribute, and he may not be an All-American next year, but I think you're looking at a guy that could put up 400 yards receiving and definitely fill a need. I agree. Hey, John, I got a question for you. What coaches are proving their worth as the best recruiters on Scott Frost's staff? Oh, my God. Hands down, Ryan Held. Um, he's the running backs coach, so obviously, you know, he gets the, the pat on the back for landing Maurice Washington. Um, but he has been everywhere. Um, and Adam will love this. I know Adam's not on a show, but Held loves to point in his picture with the fruits. Um, but I think he's the I think he's the point man for the Huskers. Uh, he's talked about his passion for recruiting in general, um, you know, being able to go out there kind of like in the NCAA football games, build your class, assemble those guys. Um, Held's also coached at a high level in the JUCO ranks, so he's got a ton of contacts, a ton of resources there. And I know it's only two months, so it's hard to measure a guy when he's got to do this again for the next 12 months. But um, for two months, I mean, he was everywhere, flying across the country late nights away from home. Doesn't really. I don't think he has a home. I think he still lives in Florida at this point um, <laughs> because he hasn't had time to you know to go and find a place in Lincoln. But um, you know he's quoted today at the, the after the signing press events um, with some great stuff talking about guys doing great things. He's passionate. Um, he talks about how lucky he is to coach Nebraska running backs. The prestige behind running backs. I mean, Amon Green. <laughs> someone's going to come yell at me for this. Lawrence Phillips, Thunder Collins. All these amazing backs over the last 20, 30, 40 years um, that Nebraska has produced, I think he has a chance to kind of do that again with his running back room. Uh, and I look for him to, you know, kind of carry that over into recruiting in the 2019 class. So Nebraska's got almost, the, I think they're second in offers in the 2019 class. They might be first after the last three or four days because they didn't stop with 2018. They've been, uh, you know, fully down the, the highway here in 2019 getting offers gauging interest etc so i hope i think the litmus test for for ryan held and those guys um will be what they do next year a lot of talent in state for next year in the 2019 class um they still need wide receiver help they signed five guys this cycle two of them are juco's um i mean really four guys but five guys two of them juco's two of them high school kids so they still need probably two wide receivers uh, in this next class and defensive back, we've already talked about it. Braxton Clark being the only cornerback, uh, we have to kind of the metal's got to meet the road there with that one. And then uh, Austin, Coach Austin, has got to close on uh, some offensive linemen next season because Nebraska still needs to keep pumping them in. They're still short at offensive tackle. It's better, uh, but they're still short there. And then they got a lot of guys that are young they need to develop. And Frost talked about it today uh, a lot of great guys, but they need to reshape their bodies. So I think. Um, if you can find some impact guys in 2019, they have a chance to make a difference right away. I know we're looking way in the future, but um, so Held, <laughs> Walters, uh, Austin would be my top three at this point. Dark. You know, and I think that's funny because I, I think that even maybe one or two of the guys on this podcast, if not all of us at one time, were, was very concerned about Frost and his recruiting because he had made a comment about, loving recruiting in Florida because he can be home every night. And so I think everybody took that as he just doesn't like to recruit. And when he turns around and does what he's done at Nebraska in the short amount of time while coaching 
another team, basically, and, and, and still be able to put together a class that he has, has pr- it proves to me at least that he can recruit. And he's, hi- and he's hired enough guys around him that can recruit and help out. And they're also apparently very good at talking kids into paying for their own college to come play football. <laughs> he's done good with the walk-up program. Tyler, he must I- jump. I, I do, and and Derek, you 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 segue to where I want to go. You know what? What I I had doubts about Frost in the recruiting aspect, but what and and a lot of what he talked about when he came to Nebraska is rebuilding with Osborne Bill, and I was skeptical of that. I'm, I'm not going to sit here and lie. I was scared that couldn't happen, but he has made me a believer. He he spoke today at his press conference about bringing in, you know, getting a roster size to 150 kids and. And he, you know, this year he brought in, I, I believe the number ended at 18 preferred walk-ons, um, you know, all across the state. There was four kids from Lincoln Southwest. Um, you know, you saw kids from Carney Catholic, the quarterback who broke a lot of his state records from O'Neill, um, you know, Gothenburg, where I had the pleasure of playing high school football. Um, one game, I got a good chance to go up there and it, it just... It, it, it was really fun to see him bringing this class together. And, you know, the in-state was probably led by Moses Bryant, a three rivals three-star running back. Um, you know, he, he was a really good back. He had a chance to play at North Dakota under scholarship. Um, you look at the way he's building this program. And and this is where I, I think it's just amazing what you've seen in this class is he, he has convinced kids to come here. And Riley, I think, really bought into the program in a way that Bo Pelini didn't. But there is a clear difference the way that Frost and Held talks about this program. They they love this program. They believe it's going to be great. It is going to translate on the field. I have no doubts of that. It it is going to take us where we want to go, where we've been wanting to go for over 20 years. I am so jazzed about this class. And the the ability of this team, to Derek's point, of convincing these kids that Nebraska is where you want to be, that's Awesome. That's something that every Husker fan should be excited about come Monday morning. Todd, I want to keep this question for you here. Uh, keep it rolling with uh, this. Uh, what would you say to all those people that didn't want to fire Mike Riley last season based off of his recruiting success? Well, you know, <laughs> you son of a... Uh, <laughs> oh, we're we're going to record a second podcast tonight? That's all I just heard <laughs> that question. <laughs> I, I will. I will say this. This is Ty, this is Tyler right here. All last season, if you listen to Tyler, it's going to set us back three years if we fire Mike Riley. I I, I, I love what Austin's recruit class. Um, Don highlighted guys like Hiles, uh, Chase Williams, Mark Goodrich, who ended up going to Clemson. Um, we lost out some big recruits. Well, what I believe is that Riley had lost this team, and that he it was going to be hard for him to get it back. Um, Would this class have been better on paper for the Mike Riley system had Mike Riley been here? Yes, I believe it would have. What I will say is what Frost has done is he has gone out and got guys that I think fits his system. Um, You know, a guy that we haven't even mentioned, Miles Jones. He's an all-purpose back that could play receiver, running back, wherever. That's a guy that Mike Riley would not have looked at because I didn't fit his system. Um, I, I don't. I think at the end of the day, if Mike Riley would have been our head coach, our rankings may have been higher. Where it would have been, 
I, I don't know, but where the direction of this program is going under Scott Frost in the two months he's been here is exponentially better than where it would have been under Mike Riley. John. So I'm glad you touched on this because I was a Mike Riley homer. And I think a lot of things in recruiting and coaching specifically are, you know, hindsight's 50-50. You know a lot more once a guy leaves and the dirty laundry comes out. Um, and we started to see that once uh, the, the athletic director was changed over. I thought Riley had a good system. I just thought it was such a dramatic change from what was in place under the prior staff, Bo Pelini, that you need four to five, even six years to make that transition. I was encouraged by Riley's moves in the first two years, you know, you know, firing Hank Hughes and, and so on to, to transition things. And he had a direction where he wanted to go. And I think everything kind of went south with Bob Diaco. Bob Diaco is a big personality. He, has, he was a head coach um, prior to his time as defensive coordinator in Nebraska, and he's a, a headstrong guy. And I think he put a lot of ideas in, in front of Mike Riley and his staff, and he pushed them through. I think Riley went from being the guy leading everyone to following the lead of another, and that's not what you want in a head coach. Go back and listen to me on the other podcasts. I'm a giant Mike Riley homer. I get it. I know I'm I'm turning, tucking tail and turning and running. But as more comes out, you know things pop up. Uh, the compliance staff or, or whoever it is inside of the AD really wasn't a fan of JUCOs. And instead of saying, you know what, we need JUCOs. This is what we have to do. Find a way to find guys that are qualified, and we're going to go after them. They just acquiesced and said, all right, we won't recruit JUCOs. So I love where Scott Frost is at with the class he signed for the short amount of time, having a top 25 class is impressive. Um, some great names on the list. Miles Jones is one of them. We haven't talked about that, that Tyler mentioned. Um, another guy from a long-term perspective is Casey Rogers. Um, I think he is an untapped potential. He's out of Syracuse, New York, huge frame, six, five, 250 pounds listed a defensive end. He could do a lot more, but, Tyler really hit on this, and I think I am naive to it because I don't think it makes a lick of difference. I don't believe that the walk-on program makes a difference. I think it's a culture thing. I think out of every four years of school, you're going to get two guys that can maybe contribute contribute at a high level. We saw those guys under under Riley and Polini and everyone else. They just didn't do much. I'm not going to throw anyone under the bus, but there's offensive linemen who didn't look like they should be playing You know, when younger guys would step up and play better, so I'm encouraged by the walk-on class. I really like Justin Holm. I think he's a terrific wide receiver out of Lincoln, Nebraska. Um, I, 6'4", 175 pounds. He's a quick dude. Um, I think he's kind of a, a, a poor man, Stanley Morgan, so to speak. And I think he could do big things and crack the 2D. Um, Ryan Schaumer is another one. I think he's out of Norfolk. Uh, but he's that kind of outside linebacker, defensive end. Again, another hybrid guy that could go either way. 6'5", 215 or 220 pounds now. Um, so there's a lot of guys in here. I think, you know, we're going to go play division two ball that over two, three, even four years after redshirting, you know, could, could earn a scholarship and make a difference. And the last guy I'll call out. And I, I know, uh, I know Derek wants to jump on me here, but, uh, Anthony Banderas, you know, obviously his brother played at Nebraska. He's a good size linebacker, six foot, 200 pounds. Um, I think he's really, he could crack it as well, but I'm not as enamored with the walk-ons. I think the biggest guy for me is Moses Bryant. Um, his knock is size. You know, can he contribute with what he does? He's a, he's a, he's a leader in the state of Nebraska for a reason. 
We had one of those a while ago. I don't know if anyone remembers his name. He was a running back, didn't go to Nebraska, played in the mid-2000s. I'll let you guys figure it out. Um, but another guy who stood out on paper that the Nebraska passed on, and Frost found a way to bring him in. Would that be the guy from Shotgun State? Didn't he play a little bit in the NFL? Uh, I don't remember his name anymore. He's, I could he's, never he's get him in fantasy football either. Danny Woodhead, <laughs> man. I tell don't you what. say his name. Thank you. <laughs> Yeah. Oh, I thought you were. I thought you were. I thought it was a no, little I, nugget I of trivia. Yeah, I just thought someone would jump in. So, uh, okay. <laughs> Derek, Derek, tell me your thoughts, man. I know you got some thoughts. Key it, you know, tee off on Riley. What do you got, man? Derek, you're on mute. Sorry. Everybody knows my thoughts on Riley, so I'm not. I'm not. I don't know. If we need to get into that. My my question for you really is more towards the recruiting again. You know, when, when Riley was here, we were told we were going to have a 15 to 18 person class, and all of a sudden we signed 24 people. And I understand that we lost Zach Darlington, Tanner Lee, and, and Nick Gates, two of them to pros, one for whatever, you know, for his own personal reason. Where are these scholarships coming from? That's a great question. I meant to touch on it earlier, so I'm glad you circled around on it. Nebraska is as it stands today, it's going into into spring camp with 89 scholarship players. So we've seen a little bit of attrition. Zach Darlington, God rest his soul, I love him. I think he's a great guy. I think he's going to continue to do great things. He's been God rest his soul, he's but, not dead, man. <laughs> he's been nothing but I mean, you know, you talk about a guy that faced real challenges in life. Um, kind of had football taken away from him because of you know concussions and other things, and he made the most of it. I mean. He came in, you know, he served as a backup quarterback in, in rare circumstances, but he found a way to contribute both on and off the field. Um, I think it's good to see him move on. You know, he's, he redshirted his years, so technically he's retiring as a junior, um, but I believe he walks away with his scholarship and a Nebraska graduate this, uh, this spring. So sorry to see him go. You know, you mentioned the other two guys. Um, that would have bumped Riley's class up to 21. You're only three guys off of what Frost signed at this point. Um, and you're going to see natural attrition. We're, we're switching from a pro-style offense to, I don't want to call it a fun-and-gun or a spread offense, um, but it's really Frost's own unique high-tempo, quick-passes, uh, RPO offense. Uh, and I think that opens up a lot of doors. The linemen are going to have to get more athletic, so I think you could maybe see a, a guy or here or there go. Um, I know there's been rumors about you know defensive linemen, a linebacker, etc., there's some positions where there's just a lot of bodies. So you're going to see that attrition this spring. I don't have any concerns that it'll work itself off um, after spring ball and summer ball. I think we'll be fine coming into fall camp. Just expect, you know, three or four or five guys to leave the program and um, that'll get them at the numbers. And, and hopefully like, like any good coach, like Saban, Urban Meyer, anyone, um, you know, if we part ways with someone, hopefully we can leave on good terms and find them a, a better home than Nebraska. True that. You know, I just want to come back to Riley for a second. Uh, under Frost, do you think it was easier for Frost to recruit players knowing that after wins they wouldn't have to do this dumbass hip-hip hooray thing? I mean, was, was, was that popular? Come on, was that popular? Did, did you guys like it, or were you guys slightly embarrassed by the whole thing? The first time maybe it was okay, but after that it was kind of goofy. You guys don't have an opinion on that. Fortunately, the fortunately, I can think <laughs> of an opinion right now that's really goofy too. But I'm not going to tell you about that. <laughs> hey, all I'm saying, 
you know, at least the players didn't have to do it very much because they didn't win very much. But that hip hip hooray. This is the bone you pick. You pick hip hip hooray as your bone to pick with Mike Riley and how he's cheesy. What did, what did you expect? Like, the dude rides his bike to work. He's kind of a hipster in that <laughs> sense, small town guy. I, I really don't know where this hip hip hooray love hate relationship is coming from right now. You Riley just was. I've never been in an environment where you had to do hip hip hooray. I've been in an Have office. Have you ever done? But you've man. never done something so cheesy that it's actually kind of fun. Never. One say, time, you do that one time, not after four wins. I will say this: <laughs> you know, my, my parents always, wins. my parents always taught me never to trust a man who doesn't swear. I will say this: the final nail in the coffin of Mike Riley. The guy, I, I will say this, I, I think he handled himself with as much class at Nebraska as possible. We have gotten uh, an upgrade in every sense of the word. Uh, Scott Frost is the man. It, it, there is no doubt the hype is real. Um, it, and, and you can see it by this spring game. People believe in Scott Frost. I, I'll, t- I'll, t- I'll tell I you mean, this much. This will be really unpopular. I think Riley left Nebraska in a better position than any of the prior head coaches. There's a lot of young talent out there. Nebraska developed a lot of recruiting inroads. You know, talk about the Calabrasca stuff all you want. He left it in a better place. And I know I said earlier, you know, four, five, six years to develop his program. Riley didn't go the JUCO route. He went the high school route. He went to develop the talent. And we started to see that. You know, you saw some young offensive linemen last year developing defensive linemen coming along as well. And we'll never know how that turned out, but I think he left Nebraska. I think this should be every Nebraska fan's takeaway. He left Nebraska in a better place than he found it. He united the fan base to a certain extent, you know, got back out there, met with, you know, donors in the second and third year, interacted with people. He was a great steward. He never talked bad. He went on national shows week after week to, to pump up Nebraska. And I thought he did a good job, other than the performance on the field, um, of raising the, the Nebraska brand. I would argue that the fan base was more divided by the end of Mike Riley's term than it, what it even was under Bo Pelini. Well, by far. I just, was, by far. I don't think was, there's even a question about it. That was probably the most divided I've ever seen Nebraska fan base in all my life. I, you're not wrong on that, guys. I, 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 I'm not disagreeing with you. I think that states a little bit more about the fan base uh, than it is. But the, the bottom line is we are I, – I'm done with this Mike Riley talk. I'm putting the veto on it. We're not talking about him anymore. He's gone. We have the spring game to look forward to going forward. It is a huge deal. Um, at, we sold out in three days of the spring Two. game. Two days. Two days. days. Thirty-six hours to be exact. That that is a that is a huge deal. That that was awesome. Yep. Did you guys get tickets? No. No. Because no. (laughs) They're gone. Yeah, they're gone. Hey, I do have a little last nugget of trivia that I want to ask you guys. Uh, I didn't think of this. I saw it on MSN. Uh, MSN Sports, and they had an article or report on there with the top recruits from each state and where they were headed to. Nebraska had three of the top recruits in uh, the three states. Would you like to take a guess on the player and states? 
Just Don, Don, we'll, we'll give you this honor right now. We'll throw you under the bus to see if you can guess it. Hey, no looking it up either. Uh, in each state? Oh, Top God. recruit. I mean, Top athlete in each state. Okay, you said athlete. Now I'm leaning towards athletes. Recruit. Um, I'm going to go Adrian Mar- This is probably wrong because it's California and there's just a million guys who are talented. I'm going to go with Adrian Martinez. Um... I think Maurice, no, Washington. I don't know. Washington's California. All right. I can't tell you. We'll just go obscure. We'll go Casey Rogers. And that's maybe David Alston. Alston, yeah, because Minnesota. We stole the top recruit out of Minnesota. Go F yourself, Gophers. We beat you in basketball for the first time in 15 years. Shove it up your your row your boats. (laughs) Go, Go play in your barn. (laughs) <laughs> um, you could probably God. Now I got to get obscure. Will Honus, Kansas? Nope, nope. You're gonna shit your pants. Tate, well, it's gotta be Tate Wildman. Colorado doesn't produce much talent. Ah, I give wow. up. I'm out. Nope. Think Nebraska. Okay. Nebraska. We had the top recruit in Nebraska. Oh, geez. Like, cause that counts. <laughs> in South Nebraska Dakota, you're 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 forgetting South Dakota. Will Farniak, we brought brought in the um, one of the top centers in the country, uh, you know, and and again another guy that was a Mike Riley holdover that a lot of people haven't talked about, the number one recruit in South Dakota. Am I right, Justin? Yeah. It's like you know, almost I'm it's just, almost I'm as if I had the answers to the question before the test. <laughs> I'm just gonna say this about Will Farniak because I want to touch on this. We didn't really talk about the December guys. I think Will Farniak could be a great offensive lineman. You look at all the pictures of him over the last two, three years. You know, Nebraska's been on him forever, and he looked like a baby. But this last year in his senior year, he's grown into every inch of his frame. I think he's like 6'3 or something, pushing, you know, the, just under 300 pounds, like 270 or whatever. For a center, you know, centers, you don't want to be too tall because um, then they block the, <laughs> the line to get bowled over. I think technically he may be one of the most sound recruits coming out of the Midwest in the last three years. Um, specifically the Dakotas, Nebraska, Kansas, Iowa, that type of Midwest, not the Ohio Midwest. <laughs> but uh, I think te- from a technical standpoint, he's one of the best. I'm, I'm excited to have him, and I'm going to shut up now. Uh, I, I, I will put the last word on him. You know, I, I had the pleasure of knowing uh, Zach Stirrup at a very young age. Um, I've, I've known that the man since he was a fifth grader, um, Saint Cecilia, I, I, have known him and, a very long and yet time. You can't get him on the show. I, I, you know, I haven't asked him, but, uh, he, but he reminds me a lot of him. Zach in a lot of ways was, um, a younger guy. He had a baby face and we saw he ended up playing up pretty good. He's still in the NFL, started a game. Uh, Farniak reminds me a little bit of him uh, at that level. So uh, I, I, I am very psyched to have another Farniak at Nebraska. That's awesome. Hey, do you guys want to jump in tune? Uh, I'm sorry, John, did you want to add something in? Yeah, can I just say something real quick? I don't know if you guys are new listeners or old listeners or whatever, but I just want to say this because I've got to jump off here. I've got a ton of signing day stuff still to do, kind of post-action reports and stuff, but – I love this this podcast. I love the people on it. I love the difference of opinions. Tyler gets to argue with Justin. Justin gets to argue with Derek. 
and then everyone argues with each other, and everyone takes Derek's side. But I love the opinions on Derek. I love that you got. There's no BS on this podcast. I also just threw us up on my camera for the first time. I feel like I'm on Hollywood Squares a little bit because I can see everyone uh, along with myself. But I want you guys to know this. This stuff is great. I love what you're doing here. We really appreciate having you guys as part of the Husker Hype family. Um, I know we're still separate, but we're together. So I'm stoked for you guys. You guys are going to crush it this year in 2018. Uh, we've talked about a lot of people, you know, some some famous alumni and maybe just some really famous people in general um, potentially joining the podcast. So I just want you guys to know that you're doing a great job. I hope you guys keep it up. Keep the momentum going. You guys have got great stuff. I can't hang around for basketball. I wish I could pull Carter in here to tell you uh, how great Nebraska is doing, how deep they finally are on the bench and that they're finally living up to some expectations and just they got to see if they can be consistent with it. So. Keep up the good work, guys. I apologize. I've got to run, um, but I hope uh, you know we keep we get to do this a lot more in the future in 2018. Well, thank you so much, John. You're a busy man. We're we're three cousins, three drunks who love to talk <laughs> talk Oscar stuff. So uh, <laughs> hey, we'll and don't, don't think don't think for a second that we don't appreciate everything you do for us too. I mean, it, this, you you are awesome to work with, and everything. Is going our way, and 2018's looking up. Boom. Yeah, I mean, I'll, I'll, t- I'll throw this out there, too. If anyone lives in Lincoln, if you're a journalism student, you're looking for an opportunity to write some content, maybe cover the Huskers this spring, uh, give us a buzz over at huskerhype.com. Um, connect with us on Facebook, Instagram, uh, Twitter. I'm always on Twitter, so if you want to hit me up there, it's at John Sweden. Give us some love. Follow the guys here on Twitter. It's at HuskerCuzCast. Uh, right, Derek? I'm not butchering that. That's oh, you got, it. you got it. Right. At Husker Cuzcast, at John Sweden, at Husker Hype. Follow everyone. You know, throw us your opinions. Throw us your questions. Let us know what's on your mind. Um, and we'll we'll talk about it, man. We love to chat football. Maybe have a couple brewskis that you can't hear while we're on the air. Maybe a glass of whiskey. I don't know. See what happens. But uh, <laughs> I run, if you boat. guys don't know, I, I, run, I run Husker Hype. I own Husker Hype. I do everything around Husker Hype. I've got some awesome guys like Carter Donahue covering basketball. I've got you guys on the on the uh, on the podcast. I'm so excited, you guys! You're gonna have a big year. Uh, I got another guy, Stephen Howe. Sorry, Stephen, if I mispronounced the uh, the last name. He's gonna ramp up baseball. Uh, Nebraska is gonna be in Tempe over the next couple weekends. Here we got. Uh, I'll be there covering it uh, and working with the AD and some other people. So there should be awesome coverage coming from the spring all the way to the spring game. But if you want to be a part of it. Uh, if you're looking to get published or, or you have some opinions, let us know. Um, we'd love to either have you on the podcast, have you on the website, do a feature spot, because um, we're always looking for uh, creative people. Absolutely. We'll be getting Steven f- for baseball. We'll be having him on soon. So. Yeah. He's I'm so, ready, I'm ready you guys have baseball. no idea. He's baseball. so jacked. We talk every day. He's so stoked for baseball. It's going to be a big year. Oh, I can't Sweet. wait to get him on Can't wait. Yeah. All right, John, nice. thank you for your time tonight. We'll be talking to you shortly. I appreciate cool. you guys. Derek, Later. stay cool, my friend. All right. Later, John. <laughs> cool. Later. You know, having John on, that's such a blast. I wish he could stay on for the rest of the episode, but I understand he's an actually busy man. So, you know what? Let's uh, move on to ne- uh, Nebraska ball, guys. Uh, we just had a 91-85 win over at Minnesota. Huge win last night. Uh, I don't know if you guys saw this. I'm sure you did because you guys are fanatics like me. 
we actually had four votes in the AP when the uh, the polls came out Monday. Thoughts on Nebraska ball? Tyler, you start. I mean, you got to love what you're seeing from Nebraska. I mean, right now we're up the 54th in the RPI, but talking about that Minnesota game, I know Minnesota's been down, but when you go on the road and win in the Big Ten, that's always an accomplishment. Um, they've won four in a row. Um, you look at guys, I mean, they're playing well. Um, you know, John, as he was leaving, threw a little shout-out to the depth on the bench. I like what I'm seeing. I mean, Justin, your boy Tim Miles over there is looking like he's put together a pretty damn good ball club right now. And the future looks bright for Nebraska ball. Um, it, it's it's really looking sharp right now. Derek. Hey, I, I don't know. I'd get one more first to, to Miles's uh, career here at Nebraska. You know, we, we had talked about he had we, Nebraska had never beat Michigan. Or not not since we've been in the Big Ten. I think that we beat them back in the sixties or something. But whatever. Since we've been in the Big Ten, we haven't beat Michigan. We hadn't beat uh, Wisconsin on the road up there up there in Madison. And we had no, and, and Miles in his whole career has never won in the barn there in uh, Minneapolis. And so add another first to Miles' career. He he's won another game that was it was it a uh, team that we should have beat at this point? Yes, probably. But, uh, you know they were three and a half point favorites, man. I, I get like, it, I get it, but they got so many people hurt, and we have so much depth. There, there's no reason to believe that we shouldn't have been able to beat them. And there was a point yeah. in that game where it looked like we were going to run away with it, but we let yeah. them back in. And I, you know, it, I'll tell you, I'll tell you this: it was a fun game to watch. And for a guy who was wanting to go to bed early that night, it sure as hell didn't happen because I had to sit up and watch the rest of that game because it was just that entertaining. Well, well this this team is a fun team to watch. They, and they that, are. That's they what, are. And let me, let they, me ask they, you guys this, just a, just a quick question. Do you guys see – I mean, obviously this is probably between probably two players, but do you guys see any NBA players on this squad? Ooh. Ooh. <laughs> I, I, you know, after this year, I can't say that like next year we'd see anybody in the NBA. I think there's enough talent there. I think they need to develop just a bit more. To no, get that, to that I, I guess that's what I'm asking because I don't think there's anybody leaving for the NFL after the, or I'm sorry, the NBA after this year. But the, uh, you have to think that either Copeland or, uh, Palmer could possibly make a roster in the NBA after their senior year. I think Palmer can. Palmer for sure. I guess I I think Copeland's a better athlete. I think, you know, I think you look at the NBA, it's not all about stats. I think, but JP3 or JP2, I I don't really see a junior or the third. I've heard different things, but regardless, he he might be a better college player, but I, I think Copeland's a guy that go and play. Um, yeah, I, I think he's the guy going forward that you really look forward to. Well, speaking of exciting games, we just had an exciting game Sunday night, the Super Bowl. What do you guys thought? What do you guys think overall? Derek, let's start with you. You know, for a guy who has uh, uh, boycotted the NFL for my own personal reasons and really haven't watched too many games over the last two years, I couldn't resist watching the Super Bowl. 
And we won't get into any of the rest of it, but the Super Bowl was probably one of the better Super Bowls I can remember watching in recent history. It was entertaining. Uh, There was some controversy as far as uh, whether Philadelphia should have had a couple of their touchdowns. I thought they were pretty good calls. It was hard to overturn them, even if they weren't the the right call. Uh, It was a fun game to watch. There wasn't a lot of defense played, but boy, for a guy who likes to watch offense, that was sure a fun game to watch. Well, it was one of those games where it was exciting from start to finish, unlike, you know, like, for instance, last year, New England and the Falcons, where, you know, first half it was terrible. In the second half, you know, the uh, Patriots finally made it a game there in the fourth quarter. But, uh, yeah, exciting factors, start to finish. Yeah, it was pretty ex- excellent. Tyler? Yeah, it, it was a good game. And, and how dare you talk shit about the first half of last year's Super Bowl. As a Falcons fan... That was a great half of football. The game should have ended right there. It would have been a great game. End of too, story. Too Coming bad from the Cardinals close it out because they suck. Yeah, too bad. Yeah. Too bad. I, you know, but the Super Bowl this year, it, it was a really good game. And you, you saw two teams play at a high level. But Philadelphia, and, and this was a hard game for me to watch because I really hate both of these teams. Uh, I hate Philadelphia. They haven't done shit. Because Philadelphia fans are arguably the most annoying fans in the world besides Chicago have been, fans. Have you been on Twitter and watched Nebraska fans? I, oh, I have, my God. They're not burning the city down. And You don't have to go put uh, Crisco on a damn pole. You're not having fans eating horse shit in the street after that game. I mean, let's be real. Philadelphia fans and Chicago fans should go into a bubble Hey, hey, like hey, you up. bite your damn tongue when you talk about Chicago. They're, they're both terrible. I, I was thinking Boston, but I went Chicago because really Chicago fans are at the bottom, then Philly, and then Boston. All three no, fan bases St. are Louis. terrible. St. Louis is way line, below Chicago. Derek, mute his mic. Mute his mic. <laughs> I will say this. I will say this about the Philly fans. Uh, I mean, you got to question their rationale. When you see video upon videos of Philly fans throwing full beer cans at opposing players. Who wastes beer like that? That is freaking insane. Not I this podcast. We don't waste no. beer. We, we don't sit, waste we beer. sit up on Skype until our beer is gone, okay? You're, you're, you're right on that. And, and, and a guy, another man who probably doesn't waste beer is Nick Foles. And that man who comes in... Look at that segue. That's right there. That's how it's done. It that guy comes in as a backup quarterback in the Super Bowl, puts on a show, runs a Philly special similar to Mr. Eric Crouch, and catching a big touchdown the pull ahead. Um, great game overall. But Tom Brady did what Tom Brady does. He was good the whole game until the end. Um, there there are people now questioning Tom Brady's legacy after losing that. And so I'm going to throw this probably last question of the podcast yes, out to you guys. Does that game, in your opinion, hurt Tom Brady's legacy? The I'll answer go first. for me is no, uh, yeah, because he's going to win three. He's going to win three more. Oh, he he ain't winning anymore. He's, he's going to win way, three more. He's so forty. He's going to be forty-one years old when the season starts next year. He's not winning another <clears> Super Bowl. However, the guy has done too many phenomenal things in his career. 
for anything to hurt his legacy. The only thing that hurt his legacy at this point would be a it would be like an A Rod scandal where everybody finds out he was doing steroids. That's the only thing that's going to hurt that guy's career at this point. Well, I don't think that would even hurt his career. I mean, it's a quarterback in the NFL. Who cares if they do steroids? It's not like you're hitting the long ball. I, well, I, I just think they used to say that about baseball too, but apparently it's, it matters now. Uh, you can't get in the Hall of Fame, but no, I, I I am with you guys. Tom Brady is the greatest football player I've ever seen, and and I will say, watching that guy play quarterback, it. You know, when, when we talked earlier about Mike Riley's pro-style offense, he makes you love watching a pro-style offense and what it could be. It could probably never be that at college. It can really never be that in the NFL besides Tom Brady. But the way he looks around the field and the preciseness of his throws are so unparalleled. It is it's unbelievable. Uh, it, but it's funny that they lost to a team on a backup quarterback, backup left tackle, no Darren Sproles, no starting best leading tackler, and they lost to the Eagles. It would be awesome if it wasn't the damn Philadelphia Eagles. I, I'll, t- I'll tell you this much. If you had told me that New England scored, what was it, 33 points? Was that right? Yeah-ish. So, somewhere around there. If yeah. you had told me that, I, I would have told you the, with uh, – because New England or uh, Philadelphia, their their biggest thing was their defense was so great. And if you had told me that New England had scored that many points on their defense, I would have told you that was an ass whooping and New England beat the hell out of them. But it just turns out that Nick Foles maybe being played the better game than even Tom Brady. Look, guys, I got to cut this conversation short. One. I stopped caring about the Super Bowl, and two, I've been out of bourbon for way too long. So we got to thank, uh, we got to give uh, John Sweetland a curtain call. Thank you for stopping by. We always love him stopping by and what he's done for us. Uh, be sure to follow the Husker Cuzcast on Twitter at Husker Cuzcast. Like us on Facebook. You can find all of our episodes on Podbean and on iTunes. Make sure you can check out HuskerHype.com for all the latest in Husker news. On behalf of Derek and Tyler, we want to thank everybody for listening. We'll see you next week, and as always, go Big Red! Go Big Red!